0: Welcome to the Canadian Real Estate Investor, where hosts Daniel Foch and Nick Hill navigate the market and provide the tools and insights to build your real estate portfolio.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast. My name is Nick Hill. I'm a partner at Land Bank Advisors, helping you in all of your mortgage needs, co-host of this awesome podcast with my buddy, Daniel Foch.
0: My name is Daniel Foch. I am a real estate broker at Rare Real Estate, and uh, one of two of these investor slash co hosts on this podcast. Um, both Nick and I um, invest in real estate. We have a—I don't know—we re- we don't talk that much about like what we do, but we're both both investors. That's why we do this. Um, and most of our clients that we represent are investors. So. Again, we say it like it, we've been saying it a lot more lately because we kind of feel like the market is a little bit more turned on, but we love working with investors. So, um, if you're
1: listening to the show and you are one, we'd love to hear from you and find out how we can help you out. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe Dan, maybe we don't talk enough about what we do and we're trying to work that in. You know, I think we, we try to be humble and, and not you know flex on the size of our portfolio you know you and i aren't the door count in the instagram bio kind of guys you keep the lamborghini in the garage most most days and you know you don't park it in front of your listings and, and use it in your listing videos right yeah no, i haven't uh haven't used it in any listing videos yet no
0: no no <laughs> um that actually reminds me did you see that thing that nasma posted yeah. uh of like the lambo okay yeah. so this is funny like so it, for all of you who know, have looked at listings on realtor.ca or whatever, you often see like these people parking like G-wagons or Lambos. That's and just anyway, it's this like, it's an assign, it's a pre-construction detached assignment. Like it's like halfway built. It's actually the funniest thing I've seen. I think one of the funniest so, so it's like the, a photo of a house that's under construction and they are putting the, I want to say the brick up, like it's like, and there, so there's no driveway. Like, it's not even gravel. It's literally just like Dirt. mud. Yeah, mud. Like, yeah. And there's a lamb. It's a white Lambo, I think. Oh, is it orange? I, I don't thought it know, was something. orange. Anyway, or, yeah, there's just a, a, there's uh, a Lamborghini parked in the driveway of this like construction site. It's like, guys, it's know, know your audience here, please. Oh man, this like just the, this they make it so easy. The memes I in know, this industry, I know. But anyways,
1: <laughs> we're not here to rip on realtors' marketing tactics today. We do that enough on the show as it is. Uh, I'm very excited about this episode because we've got 19. I think it's 19 real estate related ways to make income. So, first know, one is renting Lambos on Turo for photos. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be number 20. That's the bonus one. Um, you know, so many people reach out to us and and say they want real estate investing to be their full time career, but Hold up, because it's not time to go quit your current job or career and you know throw it all away to be a quote unquote real estate investor. Yeah, I mean that's hard, right? Like it,
0: it's really hard to get to that point, especially in Canada. The, there's just like there's typically not enough torque on a per deal basis, and there's not enough cash flow on a long term basis to just go and scale a portfolio and become a full time real estate investor instantly. So we get asked this a lot, and then you know the biggest question that comes from it is, does it help to get your real estate license or mortgage license if you? are or want to become a real estate investor. And today we're going to be looking at every real estate related profession, not just those ones. I think we're going to do some bigger unpacks on those two for those sure. entire episodes, but you, you got it, uh, your term
1: for it here. Yeah. So these are like real estate adjacent if you will, like you are either working on properties or building or financing or inspecting and all that good stuff. And we're going to get into all the all the careers that are related or that are within the world of real estate, if you will. And We're going to be looking at what they do on average, how much they make or earn, which I know is a hot topic. Everyone wants to know that. And I think the thing that other people, the other thing that everyone wants to know is do these careers or jobs or side hustles actually help you if you are or want to be a real estate investor so i'm going to start us off here and the first one that we're going to be talking about is a mortgage agent first and the worst first best what come on the second the second is second is the we're, well we'll see we'll see second is realtor but we'll, and i'm making you <laughs> read that one yeah and there's there's a whole cor- portion of lamborghinis and driveways and g-wagons and, and anyways we'll get to it um so what does a mortgage agent or broker do well uh, a mortgage agent helps you connect with different lenders and We seek out the best fit for your, your or the borrower's financial needs, financial situation, interest rate needs, and ideally just try to get you the best possible financial debt for your house. So the mortgage broker gathers paperwork from the borrower, passes that along to the mortgage lender and underwriters. And this could be a bank, credit union, a monoline lender, or a private lender. They underwrite it and we guide you through that process and wait for the approval from that lender. So simply put, the mortgage agent finds the money or rather the debt for your home or your real estate investments or projects. Now, the average salary of a mortgage agent is 71000 and $54 per year in Canada. Now, there are some that do only a few deals a year and obviously others that absolutely crush it and make hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions in some cases. Now keep in mind, unless you work for the bank, in almost all cases, mortgage agents only make commissions. So if you want to close in deals, you aren't making money. And let me tell you as an entrepreneur, because that's what you are as soon as you enter into this space, it is hard to close deals. You've got to be making cold calls. You've got to be sending emails. You've got to be doing marketing. You got to have a podcast. Yeah, everyone's got. Everyone has to have a podcast. Come on, guys. Um, you know there are approximately thirty thousand licensed brokers, um, across the country, and that's according to Mortgage Professionals of Canada, so a pretty reputable source there. So you know you're also in competition, right? And especially in today's day and age, where we've seen essentially transaction volume what the real estate market, which leads directly to the mortgage market, cut in half, you've got to have a more competitive edge than ever. So myself as a mortgage agent, I love it. It's very difficult, especially in the first few years, especially in a rising rate environment where transactions have fallen off. However, does this help you be a real estate investor? Dan, why don't you tell me what you think? And then I will tell you what I think. I'm going to say
0: based on a limited sample that I have of people that I see in the profession. I would say it does. I think it, I think it's going to it's going to help you actually more than any other profession that we're going to say, maybe except for contractors, but that's different like it's not helping you be an investor, it's helping you maybe like with the the task of being an investor, not but not helping you become one. But typically mortgage brokers who have a really really strong understanding of cre- the credit environment Seem to be able to to scale a portfolio a lot quicker than than anybody else that I know. I mean, John's a great example, but also, like, I think a lot of the characters that we see on on social media. I can't think of any like names off the top of my head right now, but guys, that, you know, my they, buddy that are, Nick, maybe, yeah, yeah, that guy. Um, but there's, <laughs> you know, in that sphere of of the sort of real estate influencer folk on Instagram, et cetera, it seems to me like the mortgage brokers are scaling better than um than realtors. Let's just use that because that's gonna be the next one. Um, but they're also Making better investments than the realtors, and I think that there's actually like an important distinct difference because like what they sell is a super important component. Like the realtor is just selling you the asset, and so they really only think about the asset. And a lot of realtors only think about that in terms of capital appreciation rather than cash flow. Whereas as a mortgage broker, it forces you to think about the asset in terms of can it debt service, debt service coverage ratio, GDS and TDS. Like, and so purely just the metrics that the profession trains you to use, to look at assets are more well-suited to be a successful investor as a mortgage broker than they are as a real estate agent. The other piece that I'll mention is the agility, at least in Ontario, which you know we don't like to be very super Ontario-centric on the podcast, but greater than 50% of our audience is Ontario. It's way more agility. Speed to market. I mean, you and I had this conversation three years ago, right? Should I become a realtor or should I become a mortgage broker? It's like, if you become a mortgage broker, you're selling to realtors, which realtors are, you know, you think there's a real estate bubble in Ontario? There's a realtor bubble in Ontario. <laughs> yeah. um, well, we'll get to those numbers. Yeah, Don't we will. You so, worry. so, realtors super saturated, highly competitive market. There's tons of them. Mortgage brokers, there's far fewer. And um, the on the mortgage side, you can get your you can do your course in what is like it like? Literally a week. Yeah, it's like a week. And then in the real estate course, it takes you like a year minimum. And so, I, I think. I think it makes more sense for most people in Ontario to actually go the mortgage broker route than the realtor route. The other provinces, I mean, Alberta. Brett from the show, like we have a, uh, you know, we're fully set up to to help anybody with mortgages across the country, across the country. But our Alberta uh, rep said that it's actually the opposite. It takes, and I actually think it should be because you're helping people deal with finances. But that's an aside. But in in Alberta, the mortgage course takes a lot longer than than the real estate or realtor course. Um, But they are doing underwriting. They're doing a little, it's a little bit more of an involved role here. You're literally just brokering and the banks are doing all the underwriting, yeah. et cetera.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, my my answer to this is, is similar to yours, Dan, and, and very eloquently said, does being a mortgage agent help you to be a real estate investor? I'm going to say a resounding like, hell yes, if you are doing it properly. So, I mean, again, having an understanding of, the finances, the financial pro- uh, uh, products, the creative financing, programs like a rental wash and why cash flow is so important on your first few investments. Having an understanding for that kind of stuff is absolutely necessary to become a good real estate investor. And although everything on this list, it, you know, here's a, here's a bit of a spoiler, everything on this list probably does help you a little bit to become a real estate investor. I'm going to agree with Dan here and say that mortgage agents Probably are the best suited to become real estate investors in their real estate adjacent careers. Now, not saying that all of them are real estate investors or even some of them that are real estate investors are good real estate investors. However, the opportunities that you are presented with, the network that you uh, have, and the financial literacy that you will gain as a mortgage agent will definitely help you if you are an aspiring real estate investor or thinking of making a career change.
0: Yeah, It's interesting because the, you know, I actually, it could be, could be broken down like this as a mortgage broker, the, the things that you do and the things that you're trained to do make you a better investor as a realtor, they make you a better speculator and speculate speculation made people a lot of money in the past. Like really, honestly, I don't Not, like it. Yeah. I think it's a high risk trade, but it paid off high risk, high reward in a lot of cases. And it paid off for the past 10 years, pretty much other than like a couple of little downturns speculation went well and realtors did exceptionally well because they had a license. They didn't have to pay commission on the way in or the way out. And so it helps you in that stuff. If you're flipping, if you're speculating, if those are what you want to do, then maybe the next one on the list is being a realtor. That's what you want to be. So real estate agents, residential, commercial, industrial, land, pre-con, platinum, triple X, VIP, luxury, whatever. <laughs> Wait, uh,
1: aren't they all luxury yes, agents? exactly.
0: Real estate agents are licensed to help people buy, sell and rent homes and other properties. This applies for all asset classes. They manage everything from searching for properties that meet the needs of clients to preparing contracts, to scheduling viewings, and making property listings. So how much does the average realtor make in Canada? This is crazy. Hundreds of thousands, yeah. right? That's enough Millions to the uh, yeah.
1: Lamborghinis and G-Wagons in the driveways. Yeah. So the median
0: salary of a real estate agent in Canada is $46,212. Wow. So. Maybe you're getting like a...
1: So that's less than the average Canadian salary. Maybe like a salvage.
0: You can get like a salvage like early 2000s Gallardo. (laughs) (laughs) If you're aiming for the Lamborghini. If you save up four years of your commission without spending the dime. Yeah. Um, Most real estate agents make one or zero sales per year. While a select few make a large number of transactions. So it's a huge thing. Like we talked about the Pareto principle in the past. There's this um, Italian math, ma- math magician in uh, yes. Pareto, Pareto, uh, who came up with this distribution where like basically it's the 80, 20 principle. People have heard of this stuff. I'm not going to be- belabor it. I'm but we do a- want
1: to know that it came from
0: Italy. Yes, right? of course. <laughs> Just like the Lamborghini on the, on the top 10% of agents make more than 10 sales per year. So, and, and the market has dried up completely. So everyone is, is suffering, honestly, mm-hmm. like volume is down a lot. Um, the Canadian Real Estate Association, CREA, reports that there are so, there are more than 140,000 real estate agents, Oof. yeah, brokers and salespeople working through 79 real estate boards and associations across Canada. How many real estate agents are there in
1: Ontario? Here we go. Do you want to hit this one? Sure. The largest real estate association in Canada is, of course, the Ontario Real Estate Association, otherwise known as... Orea, which always makes me think of Oreos, makes me a little hungry. Great food. Uh, Top yeah. five cookie food. You know. Great food. That's <laughs> yeah, it's a full, whole food group. Orea <laughs> um, represents 82,000 realtors. That is across 36 different real estate boards. It's here that you can also find Canada's largest state real estate board, TREB. Dan, your close friends over at TREB, that is the Toronto real estate board, which serves over 62,000 agents in the greater Toronto area alone. Wow. So, Dan, how many real estate agents are there in some of the other major provinces, maybe like BC and Quebec,
0: let's say. So it's interesting because, um, like the, there was this chart that just came out of the U S where it's like, shows a chart of number of realtors and number of listings. And Mm -hmm. they just, for the first time ever eclipsed more realtors than listings in Ontario, there are 82,000 realtors, which I think is actually an outdated statistic. I think it's like closer to a hundred thousand. And I think there's 70,000 on TREB, the Toronto real estate board, but, uh, we have 36,000 properties listed in the province of Ontario right now. Wow. So you have three realtors for every one listing in that the province of Ontario, crazy. if you want to talk about competition. Yeah. So, so you have statistically, if you know all of that got sold, um, every two realtors would get, you know, like if you split the deal, what and one realtor would be completely left out. So every realtor would get, or two thirds of the realtors would get a deal, a single deal, and then a whole third One, doesn't get yeah, anything 30% 33% of the market gets nothing and obviously nice. that's not how statistical the, the statistical distribution of it will go will play out but it's just crazy to give you perspective on how um saturated that profession is like people think everybody thinks i think i think people who aren't in the profession think oh it's easy i'm just going to get my license and I'll just like you know, all saw my, my parents house. post a couple Instagram stories of me yeah. like touring a house, and then people, everyone's just gonna message me and be like, "I want you to be my realtor." You're the best. Yeah,
1: come on, Let's please. Do some deals,
0: um, yeah, it doesn't work like that, honestly. It actually uh, works
1: exactly opposite of that, to be
0: honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Um,
1: so, the, what are the numbers in, in BC and in Quebec here?
0: Yeah, um, the British Columbia Real Estate Association, BCREA. Um, is the second largest real estate association in Canada with more than 23,000 commercial and residential realtors. I do wow. want to talk about real, real estate content for a second because there was that tweet that I posted as like a, a Instagram post. That, so and it just said like nobody is pumping out Instagram content like <laughs> high school acquaintances <laughs> turned real
1: realtors. Oh man, so true. It's like it's like MLM schemes.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Buy these vitamins or this powder or... Now they're converging, I
0: think. Like, oh. Realtors are also yeah. selling health products. Um, <laughs> the The third largest real estate association in the country is found in Quebec, where the Quebec Professional Association of Real Estate Brokers, really bad acronym there. I'm going to try and read it as a word, uh, KIPAREB. That's an initialism, I guess. <laughs> it's not an acronym. <laughs> Brings together more than 13,000 real estate brokers
1: and agencies. Yeah. So, I mean, what a disparity. You've got like 90,000 in the GTA, second place, let's call it 25,000 in BC and, then you know, a measly 13,000 in, in Quebec. What is going on? 90,000 people in the GTA is doing real estate. It's, it's crazy. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think it's just a, it's a reflection of the sense of mania that we're in, 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 the GTA and in, in Ontario in this market, like it's just, it's all we do here. It's all people talk about. Like it's all all we th- talk everyone's about. a realtor. Everyone's flipping houses. Mm-hmm.
1: Everyone's burning down pre-cons, <laughs> you know? Um, so Dan, let me ask you this. You know, you're, you're a real estate agent. You've been one for a decade. We work with a ton of real estate agents across the country. Does being a real estate agent help you be a real estate investor? I think it, I think it, does marginally
0: but i don't think it does like the um, mortgage professional element does i think it helps you because i mean look there's an easy way to quantify it commission for the average residential real estate transaction on on one side of the transaction so let me just break this down quickly so when you buy a house typically the realtor is getting paid Two and a half percent, maybe two, two to two and a half percent. It's it's lower. Like BC is much lower. One um, percent, I believe, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And some markets are higher. Like there are a lot of markets where there's still six percent total commission. So three and three. Mm-hmm. But then there's like you know, like Coburg, Eastern Ontario is you know two percent in a lot of cases. So so anyway, let's just say two to three percent. So you, if you're a realtor and you're buying your own investment property, you would get that back, right? So you get you get a two percent let's say, uh, worst case scenario, 2% advantage on the price side on the way in. And on the way out, if you have to exit the asset, you have a 2% advantage on the way out as well. That's, I mean, kind of it. Like it does give you that, it gives you, you know, the ability to look through properties really quickly, you know, on MLS and browse, like you have access to MLS, you have access to geo warehouse, um, or like other tools, like outside of, you know, in other, in other areas, some of the East coast provinces, I think it's, um, Nova Scotia that's fully public anyway, you can Mm -hmm. find out who owns a property. But it allows you greater information, or it gives you it gives you an information advantage that can help you make good investments. So you can go find an owner easily. You know you can contact, you can typically find their contact information more easily than anybody else can in the market. Um, and so yeah, I think it, it that's where it helps you. Um, I, it hasn't like really helped me or us. If you think about like people who are investors at scale, like we have a small fund we when was the last time that i brokered our real estate transaction like never yeah. I, I never have with the fund i've brokered maybe we've done 30 plus deals in the past 5 years um on the buy side then i've brokered maybe two of them yeah. right like in local markets that we invest in we work with the local realtor cuz they're the, they're the expert it's they have the, the paperwork they have access to the board we they're need that. They're getting off-market stuff, right? Um, and so, I think it, it gives you a little bit of a competitive, or not a competitive advantage, but it just gives you a, it saves you a little bit of money on the way in and on the way out. Yeah, that's that's really, and, and it gives you a bit of an information advantage. I
1: think that's yeah. It. I mean, I mean, from my opinion, I think, and, and this might be a bit of a blanket statement for for not only a realtor but basically for the rest of the list outside of um you know mortgages at this point. I think it can give you an advantage if done by design with intention, right? Like if you were like, Hey, I am going to be um, an investor focused real estate agent. I'm only going to work with investors or I specialize in duplexes and secondary and tertiary markets. I'm bringing, I'm, I'm the captain of that flight of capital. That's leaving the GTA and landing somewhere else kind of thing. Right? So you have the opportunity to, To get a lot more involved in the investment side of things, if you do the, if you really utilize the things that you were talking about, Dan, right? That information advantage, that networking advantage, working with investors, maybe partnering with investors that you're working with. The unfortunate thing is, you know, out of the 140,000 plus real estate agents across the country, I'd be very, very curious. And maybe this is another stat we can get someone to pull or make for us, but how many of them actually own investment properties or actually own like real investment properties, not just a house and a cottage kind of thing, right? Well, this is the thing. I mean, for the past
0: 10 years, actually for the past 30 years, like re- the majority of money in real estate was made in speculation. It was made on capital appreciation. And we've been singing the song that that's not a safe way to make money. Mm-hmm. It, it's a good and lucrative way to make money, but it's not a safe way to make money. And we're realizing what the lack of safety looks like in present day. But for realtors, a lot of them were getting early access to pre-construction projects that, you know, they could make a lot of money. There was a ton of upside to be yep. made there if you had if you had that information, if you had a little bit of extra access, right? And they're great commissions being paid to realtors on pre-construction. Um, a lot of them, you know, because they have that, that small advantage on the buy and sell, they're able to get access to the, uh, the great, you know, faster access, maybe preliminary access to a deal that's coming up. If they have a client, somebody approaches them, um, and says, Hey, I want to sell my house. And they're like, Well, I think this, you know, I'll, I'll just buy it. This is what I'm going to offer you for the house. Right. Yeah. You know, there's obviously some, violations of potential, potential violations of fiduciary duty there. Are you really representing the seller's best interests, et cetera, et cetera. But regardless that those advantages exist and they were really, really lucrative for the past five years. If you had that advantage of you're saving two to 3% on the way in and the way out, but now, but not, not, it almost disincentivizes you to hold it because you know that as a realtor, the best way for you to make money is buying and
1: selling real estate, not holding it. And, and that brings me to, to my other point, right? If, if you're not a good real estate agent, you're likely not going to be a good investor focused real estate agent kind of thing. You've got to be a good realtor before you can actually start to reap the benefits. But, anyways, let's call those conversations there because I do want to do full episodes on being, you know, on, on these two specifically, right? Uh, does being a real estate agent or mortgage agent actually help you as an investor? We've got a bunch more to cover. Let's keep moving on. The next one on the list is home inspector. Now, home inspectors are brought in to assess everything from windows, doors, the basement, the kitchen, the driveway, your roof, electrical and plumbing, heating, ventilation, the attic, and pretty much every little possible thing on a property that could have an issue with it. Home inspectors will reveal any issues with the home, giving the buyer an idea of how much money they may need to fix those problems. They will also provide a detailed report to the homeowners or those prospective home buyers. The average inspection home inspection salary in Canada is about $58,000 per year, about $30 an hour. Entry level positions start at about 45,000. Well, more experienced um, home inspectors can make 78,000 on average or much more if you own your own home inspection business. Now, Dan, does being a home inspector help you being a real estate investor?
0: I think it would help. I don't. I think it, I don't think it's gonna help any more or less than being a realtor. Um, but I, I, I'm personally a fan of these professions that that interact with realtors a lot. I think that anybody who provides is providing service to a realtor um, is actually gonna have a better touch point into the market because, like you know, if you're gonna see deals early as well, just like a realtor would. Uh, maybe not a home inspector so much, but you do see a lot of pre-inspections as an example. So if you're a home inspector. Realtor calls you to do a pre-inspection. You see this property and you're like, whoa, what's this for sale for? Like, I'm interested. Maybe I'll, exactly. maybe I would offer yeah. on this. You also, you know, again, as part of the training, as part of the job, you become better at looking at properties, better at analyzing what things buyers and sellers are walking away from. What things, totally. what are the biggest problems? What yeah. are the what are the biggest uh, problems that you should solve? One of the things that I would say is anybody who's a contractor who wants to like flip properties or be a contractor or is a contractor fixing houses, um, doing burrs, whatever, having a home inspector certificate is, is a huge advantage because it's an easy way for you to use your skills to liaise with realtors. Also use it as a lead gen. You bring a buyer through a house, they say, Oh, you know, I would love to buy this house. But you know, that thing you mentioned about, you know, the, the, maybe the main beam needs to be jacked up and sistered or whatever. I, I, you know, I want to get, I'm going to get that done as soon as I close on the house and you should be like, Oh, well I can do that for you. Right. And you see a lot of this, like symbi, these symbiotic careers for people, young people who, young entrepreneurial people in the Canadian real estate space, being a generalist and being like having multiple avenues to make income with your skill set is super important, and and the home inspection one is a huge one from my perspective.
1: Yeah, and you know, just on that note, from young people and, and home inspectors, I've met a lot of home inspectors. Not one of them has been young, but they yeah, also really al- good point. They've also always been real estate investors in their local areas because they have seen all the basements in. Peterborough. They've looked at all of the uh, water lines in Hamilton. They know where the floodplains are in the Lower Mainland in Vancouver, right? Like they they have that nuanced information that does give them that little leg up on. Okay, well, I've been watching you know the market price price these problems in or out, and I just think it gives you that little insider information that a lot of people don't have. And usually if you're a home inspector, you're pretty well connected to the trades, which uh, you know, you're know you in that network. You're an integral part of that process, which, which you want to be. Yeah. I think if you look at a hundred houses from a structural perspective, like if you go through a hundred
0: houses with a granular, really thorough look, you're going to get better at looking at them and you're going to find the better ones. It just makes it easier for you to sort for what's good and what's bad. For sure. And if you can expedite that process of parsing through good and bad properties. That's a great skill. For sure. Next up on the list is a lawyer. They're necessary for both the buyer and the seller. First on the buyer's side, they ensure the transfer of ownership, outlining the terms of the purchase agreement and a clear title of the property. That is the role at the most basic. They also represent the lender. So they register the lender on title um, and they review the APS, so any of the agreements for the for the transfer. They arrange for title insurance, um, check title, make sure there's no claims against the property, make sure you have valid title and closing, make sure property taxes are up, up to date. Uh, calculate la- land transfer tax, drop the mortgage documents, close the transaction and assure the finan- legal and financial conditions are met, exchange legal documents and keys, et cetera, with the seller's lawyer. Um, this one's simple. I-, I like, like, I think that this is probably, it's one of the best people to be in the, in the industry, but it's also the highest barrier to entry. You got to go to law school to do yes. this. Yeah. You're um, not getting this one right. uh, over the weekend. Yeah. Here. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, to me, a, a lawyer can do everything a realtor can do, and more. They can pull all those documents. They can look at all the. They have all that information. They can buy and sell real estate on their own. Like yeah. they, they can, um, they they can't be a board member and list property on Treb or on the MLS, but they can buy and sell. Um, I mean, I guess wholesalers have kind of figured out a way around that, but um, th- this is a great one. It's just it's it, it's expensive, high barrier to entry.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, and again, they, you know, they. They do represent both the buyers and the sellers. I mean, I can speak from personal experience. Most of the real estate lawyers, real estate focused lawyers that I've ever come across with are actually property investors as well and have done quite well for themselves. And that's because, again, they are just so ingrained in that network, right? If you are a real estate lawyer. You're likely working with a lot of real estate investors, putting together joint venture partnerships, GPLP structures. You know, it's not just the simple stuff like you know the APS and the title insurance and the documents and the keys. You know, as as Dan was mentioning, barrier to entry drastically higher than a lot of the other things on this list. However, the average real estate lawyer salary in Canada is $183,000 and almost $100 an hour. Entry level positions start at about $150,000 a year. Well, again, more experienced lawyers can make $190,000 a year, or to be honest, a hell of a lot more. Um, and although likely the hardest thing to become on this list, I'd say outside of mortgage agents, this is, this is probably one of the top things to be, um, that will help you as a real estate investor. However, most lawyers aren't trying to get out of being lawyers and going into real estate investing. I I would assume, but I could be wrong about that. Yeah. You never know. Like I was seeing articles about people quitting being doctors to
0: become realtors and stuff like that, like, which is just a shame. It's such a uh, reflection of how broken our economy had become. Um, I'll we'll talk about the, I guess the, the little brother of being a lawyer. Um, no offense intended, but I, like, these are some of my favorite people in the industry. Um, paralegals. So a real estate paralegal ensures the efficiency of a law firm by providing clerical services and other supportive aid to lawyers in the real estate field. One of the big things that they do right now is landlord and tenant proceedings and, um, these specialized paralegals exist with the legalities and regulatory compliance and construction, purchase, and sale of property, as well as landlord-tenant. Um, they can represent you in small ca- claims in a lot of places now. Um, so this is... Th- they do a lot of the same stuff, um, just a little bit less, um, I guess, like... High level, I guess like, you would say. Or, like or regulate, le- less like qualified to do certain things. They're not the ones like signing off
1: right. kind of thing on, on the final documents. Um,
0: yeah, and so they, they provi- prepare legal documents... Uh, review and research cases, um, perform basic secretarial duties like answering phones, scheduling appointments, maintaining and updating files, preparing for court and scheduling interviews. The average paralegal salary in Canada is uh, 72,000 or 37-ish an hour. Um, Does it help you as an investor? I think for those who specialize a lot in the um, landlord and tenant side of things um, and who have a really strong understanding of that, um, it does absolutely.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're not going to talk about uh paralegals without mentioning our absolute rock star paralegal on our team who's also been on the show uh nikki Shepard. so shout out to nikki for just being amazing and uh she is a paralegal she's also a property manager and she also owns a ton of property so be more like nikki if you're a paralegal uh let's keep going here the next one on the list is appraiser Now, real estate appraisers play a very important role in providing an unbiased and hopefully an objective estimate as to what the property's market value is. The most common time that you will need to get an appraisal is when you're in the process of actually purchasing a home. After an accepted offer, the appraisal is a key step in the closing process and is required by lenders to determine the value of the asset they are lending on. So if a lender finds the appraisal to be you know, far below the contract price, the lender may be forced to reassess the mortgage and adjust the borrowing amount. In this case, a buyer may also be able to use that lower appraisal to actually go back and negotiate a lower purchase price from that seller. The national average salary for a real estate appraiser in Canada is just over $70,000. Dan, you already know the question. Does being a real estate appraiser, help you be a real estate investor? I think absolutely. I think it
0: um, gives you really strong insight into what buyers and sellers are, how buyers and sellers are valuing property, but also how lenders are buying are are valuing property and what components go into the valuation. So I think it's most likely um, profession to protect you on the value side. You know, you would, it it should be argued that realtors should know or should, should know the values as well as an appraiser, but, you know, they, they probably thinking more upside, whereas appraisers are thinking more downside. They think, yeah, right, well, what's, where's, where's the risk? What's the bottom line for this property so that the bank doesn't have the risk associated with the value? Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's a great, great profession and, and similar access to information, same access to information um, for looking up like, uh, um, like a realtor does.
1: Yeah, and I the one other thing I'd add to that is similar to appraisers, just like we when we were talking about um, uh, home inspectors is there's not a lot of young people in the appraising world. So again, if you are a young person trying to figure out, trying to navigate to get a career in something real estate adjacent, in the you know aspiring to be a real estate investor at some point, this is something I would definitely recommend considering. Okay, let's get
0: to being a contractor here. So contractors plan and oversee construction projects, typically commercial and residential buildings. Their responsibilities include meeting with clients to assess their project needs, communicating with clients to answer questions or concerns they have, keeping the project on time and on budget, coordinating trades and subtrades, helping the client choose materials. Um, I think like, actually I'll, I'll get to this at the end, but the average general contractor salary in Canada is seventy two five hundred. Uh, so 72,000 per year, about 37 an hour entry level positions start at 52,000 while the most experienced are up to 135,000 per year.
1: If if not more, right? If you own your own contracting business, you can be making hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. Yeah. I mean, I think most skilled trades like that are kind of at the top of their
0: career are in the six figures for all sure. long. Yeah. If you look at the, I think the challenge with contractors is, you know, a lot of them aren't trained so much to think from a business perspective and from an investing perspective, but they do understand, nobody's going to understand the asset better than, than them in this. And so you see a lot of the ones who are more business minded and who do understand the inputs and outputs of entrepreneurship and growing a business and investing are super successful. I mean, some of the biggest real estate families in this country started as home builders, plumbers, home builders, um, you know, utilities, infrastructure, yeah. So a lot of these groups that, they realized, okay, you know, if they're the input, all they need to do is figure out how to be involved in the ownership side of things and create that value and, and scale from there. Um, so I, I think that there's a lot of opportunity, probably the most upside opportunity exists within this, within, for contractors. Um, but it's also the hot, like per, 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 percentage wise or percentage perspective. I think you see the, f- the smallest amount of them succeed, um, just because you know, not as many of them are trained, like most of them aren't working in the absolute business end of real estate.
1: Yeah. And okay. So just to kind of even break that down further, what you're talking about, Dan, is contractors are used to making money on the spread between their, you know, what they put into a job, right? What they pay out to their trades, materials, etc., And then they put their fee on top of that, whether it's a, you know, 10, 20% fee, whatever that that's, that's how they make money. Most contractors aren't thinking like real estate investors like okay i need to build this with more economical materials so that i can get a longer and better return i need to build this with more durable materials because i know it's a rental so if you can bridge that gap as a contractor and start to think like an investor then this might even be a just as good as as a mortgage agent because the two major things that most people struggle with are the financial side of of projects as well as the actual building out and can and understanding the construction process with projects so i'm i'm a big fan of contractors myself um have a background in construction and uh if you can figure this one out it it's huge just because you're italian doesn't mean you have a background in construction why i uh, yes it does <laughs> um let's go to the trades then Yeah, for sure. Great, great segue from contractor to we mentioned trades, sub trades. Well, that's what we're going to be talking about. And apologies to all the trades out there listening. This is an episode. We like to keep it under, you know, an hour. So we're not going to divide all the trades out. But, you know, plumbers, electrician, carpenters, HVAC, Mason, roofer, the list goes on. Sorry for anyone we forgot about. I know it's unfair that we grouped you all together. And we will do more detailed episodes as to, you know, how each trade can can break out. But, you know, the trades play such a vital role. I think that if you are able to, again, you know, utilize your skills in the same way a general contractor can and have that investor mindset, understand real estate investing. This is again a huge, huge bonus. It gives you a massive upside on people that don't understand this, right? I mean, I know some, Dan, you and I both know a lot of younger people that, that have their, you know, that have their red seals or that are skilled trades and they save a ton of money. And guess what? Trades know other trades. So you'll be able to pull other trades in to help you get your project done faster, cheaper and, and likely at better work quality. Uh, the average skilled trades salary in Canada is about $70,000 a year, just over $35 an hour, entry level positions are in the 50,000 well, more experienced workers, it says make 90,000. I, I think that's light. And I think that as a trade, there's also a ton of other ways you can make more money, right? We're always talking about figuring out how to make more money. So if you're making ninety thousand dollars, you've been a plumber for a couple of years. Well, guess what? And you're probably doing side jobs on nights and weekends. At least if you're you know young and on on the come up, you know a lot of these guys eventually start their own business, or the smart ones get involved in real estate investing projects. So Dan, I mean, I've already kind of answered, and I think we feel the same on this one, but. Does this help you be a real estate investor? Yeah, I don't have much more to add there. I think you've covered most of it. I think on
0: like on the flipping side, especially, or like property management side, property maintenance side, mm. um, a huge, huge competitive advantage over anybody else on this list. Wholesalers in real estate wholesaling, a wholesaler puts a seller's home under contract, so they basically buy it on paper with a condition, then they find an interested investor to buy it. Wholesaler signs the rights to the, in the contract to the buyer at a higher price than the price controlled or contracted to the seller and keeps the difference. Basically like a realtor, but they're just, it's an arbitrage model. So I go and door knock a property. The owner agrees to sell to me for 500K. So I know the property is worth 600 and I sell the contract, the agreement to buy that for, to an investor for 525K. The seller gets their price. The wholesaler makes a fee and there's still enough room in the deal for an investor. To make it compelling for them. I mean, the the challenge here is that there's like somebody loses, in this case, the seller, you can tell if the house is worth 600 and they just sold it for 500. But there might be a qualitative reason why they did that. As far as how much a wholesaler can make, well, you can't really find it out because it's not like available on Glassdoor, (laughs) ZipRecruiter, Indeed or whatever. But my guess would be, you know... 25 to 250k annually probably with the average one maybe making 100 grand.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I'd say I'd, I'd say you're a good wholesaler should be making 100 grand and yeah, I mean, does it help you as an investor? You're touching and
0: feeling a lot of deals, seeing a lot of deals becoming an absolute expert at negotiating. So
1: and, and yeah, not only that yeah. but you are dealing directly with investors, right? We want the more touch points you have with active real estate investors, the like the more likelihood you become one yourself. The,
0: yeah, my problem is like people who make money selling They just don't stop selling. They never, they never, you
1: know what I mean? They never make money. Classic top realtor, right? All these top 1% realtors that are crushing business, making a ton of money. How many of them actually own property and investments? Right.
0: And you know, we always quote Warren Buffett here with the uh, greedy and fearful quote, but my favorite Warren Buffett quote is you don't make money in buying and selling. You make money in waiting.
1: Oof. Love it. Um, okay. Let's move on. Uh, property management. Now, again, this is a very umbrella term here because property management can fall into a number of different um, types of property management, like short-term rental, student rental, commercial property management, residential property management, etc. cetera. Um, but overall, property managers work on behalf of owners to manage their properties. They communicate regularly with the owners and the tenants, so they are kind of that bridge. But and you know they bridge the gap between the owners and the tenants. So they strive to maintain good owner-tenant relationships. They do things like find tenants for units, call trades when something goes wrong, collect rent, you know, make sure the grass is cut, all that good stuff. Again, there are several different types of property management, but the most classic um, is you know your your long-term buy and hold and, and people run that. So the average property manager salary in Canada is $82,000 at about $42 an hour. Entry level position started at about $55,000. Well, more experienced workers can make 90000 again. This is, you know, those numbers are a little arbitrary because this is something you can do small scale on the side. You know, you could be running short-term Airbnb rentals from a beach in Costa Rica if you wanted to, or you can also be a boots on the ground type property manager in a smaller town that you, you know, you know all the properties inside and out. You know, my two cents on this, does it help you become a real estate investor? I'm going to say, yeah, it really does because you are dealing day in and day out with real estate related issues, you understand what it is to be a real estate investor because you work with them and for them and you also work with and for the tenants. So you understand both sides of the equation.
0: Next on the list is home stagers. Uh, these are people who stage homes, they make them look nicer, they move furniture around, bring in new items, declutter, etc. Um, they want to present the space in the best way possible. Um, the average earnings would be about fifty thousand per year. Uh, Entry level positions start as low as thirty five thousand. Most experienced go up to about ninety thousand per year. Does it help you as a real estate investor? I think it helps you in positioning assets well for you know for for leasing if you're an investor for sale if you're a flipper or you know and they, they often have a good design eye maybe in in the flipping space um, but I don't think it is as direct as some of the others in how it helps you
1: yeah um, definitely no, I think it puts you in the right circles which is important and and kind of again a blanket statement across all of these it puts you in the right circles but. You know, it's not up there as as a top contender. Uh, The next one kind of isn't up there as a top contender either because it's very um, transferable, but it is a huge asset. And that is accountants, specifically real estate accounts that track a real estate investors or a real estate company's finances to help uh, the real estate business owners understand and evaluate and improve their strategies you know they handle accounts payable and receivable they produce journal entries reconcile business accounts enter data into accounting software and make sure that financial reporting is accurate and organized and they're probably pretty good at running numbers on deals too the average salary for an accountant is about $63,000, um, but after it's after 25 years of experience, the medium CPA salary is about 180000 which places them in the top 1% to 5% of, of earners in Canada. Dan, does this help you be a real estate investor? I think it's uh, it's very helpful from an optimization perspective. Similar to a
0: property manager, they can help. Like you, If you're an accountant, you, you're going to have the most optimized portfolio from a tax advantage perspective for sure yeah. um but to me again those are things where you're making a bit more money on the margins than, and, and that there's a lot to be said for that you can make a lot of money at the margins but um it's not it's not a massively it's not a it's not a high torque one like a mortgage broker or yeah contractor yeah. Um, next up is consulting, which I actually do think is probably one of the bigger ones. Uh, it's basically like being a contractor, but for paperwork, for soft costs. Um, so consulting on zoning and permits, and then also, um, landlord and tenant board, landlord and tenant board, we covered in, in so I might just brush over that one, but yeah, this is more just like consulting
1: zoning in general. Permits, yeah. yeah. And then, and especially for that. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, um, you know, I think planners, architects, etc. um, the ones who you've seen and some of the biggest developers in the city of Toronto are people who have this background. If you know how to work that system well, and you also know how to own property, um, then, I mean, I think, I think there's some, some of the biggest developers in the city used to be planners at the city of Toronto. Right. Um, so if you have experience with those, that's where you can really get a huge alpha. You can really increase the value of a property the same way a contractor could, um, but through soft costs. So doing, you know, zoning permits, architectural and flipping that property or developing that property or selling that property. So these consultants planners, they typically only you know they're making eighty thousand per year, forty bucks an hour, entry level and at the eighty thousand up to a hundred k a year and, and a lot of that's the limitation I think is because it's very public sector work for sure yeah um, but the ones who are private side and the ones who are doing it as investors are making ridiculous amounts of money i mean in in for context, like the way the house, housing crisis materializes is the ability to create units and the, the the ability to do that on paper is what where most of it happens the ability to create units is where a lot of the money is made you can see this in ontario and i would expect that the effect of that will spread across the country
1: yeah agreed uh next one on the list here we've got designers um kind of interior designers focus but you know designers in general uh so whether interior exterior both um you know they design the space to make sure it's functional and safe And ideally beautiful by determining, you know, different space requirements and, of course, selecting essential and decorative items such as colors, lighting, materials, and really working on the feng shui of uh, certain spaces. So, you know, unfortunately, interior designers aren't paid exceptionally well at, uh, you know, the average salary being about 67,000 entry level below 50,000 and more experienced workers, not really breaking that six figure mark and kind of remaining around the 80,000 uh, on average, you know, does this help you be a real estate investor? I'd say this one's a not really. I'm going to disagree with you
0: on that because like, think about um, friend of the show, you know, Ryan Clark, St. Marie, these guys from from Vancouver—they're just setting up in, um, in tr- an office in Toronto. They do great work, and they—they're mostly in the food and bev space, hospitality, etc. But these are people who can optimize space. Like it goes back to that optimization. Totally. If you're a designer, or you know, and, and again, the next two on the list, will probably just go through uh, just their salaries because I want to I want to cover this a little bit. But you know, if you're in the design consulting, like we just mentioned planning or architecture. And you, especially right now where we've talked about how you can take an existing house, an existing McMansion or excess square footage and cut it up efficiently into four units. An interior designer can do that exceptionally well. And they can do it with a low barrier to entry. It's not, it's not like becoming a planner or an architect where it's four plus years of school. Um, I think interior design is much more accessible to get two year, maybe college program, I think think for the low end. Um, there are obviously bigger programs, but anyway, that's somebody who can look at a house and say, I can cut this into four suites this way. And that to me is a huge alpha opportunity in real estate. That is among the biggest alpha opportunities in real estate. Alpha just means basically capital appreciation or, or, Nick uses the term forced appreciation or capital appreciation that you can create that isn't just the market growing. And that to me is among those. And and you look at St. Marie, Ryan Clark, friend of the show, who's doing this at a larger scale. Same thing. Obviously, they're de- these are million dollar in de- uh, interior design contracts. Hotel companies know this. If I design this space right, I can increase the output of it.
1: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I, you know, maybe I, I spoke too you, soon. You know, speaking from, from personal experience, I used to work with a ton of interior designers and, Again, I think most of them are are focused strictly on the interior design. But going back to you know the blanket statements we've made, you're putting yourself in the right ecosystem, right? If you're an interior designer that's working with investors, then yeah, I think you're you're well suited to 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 use that and to you know jump in and, and get more involved. If you're an interior designer focused on you know commercial office spaces and and that's your bread and butter and focus. Likely not a great translation, but of course there are you know pioneers and, and uh, anomalies in the space. Yeah. I think it's just like you're getting a scope of principles that
0: can be helpful. It's just, it's the application of App- those course. principles. Yeah, so if you, like, totally. I think there's a huge list of principles that you learn in that profession that can create so much value as an investor. It's just not a lot of people, same as plumbing, same as, you know, being a planner, same as being a realtor. If you don't take those principles and move them over into the investor, put your investor hat on and mm-hmm. take the principles, then you're not going to, but I think, I think it does give you, set you up well, but there's a, a lower likelihood to, to jump over into yeah, the investor yeah, agreed. Yeah. Next on the list is a municipal planner, which is basically people who help you develop property. Yeah. I'm just going to quickly go through the average salary because we, I think we covered it pretty well when I was talking about consultants, but entry level positions, are 65,000 and most experienced workers, um, up to 125,000 per year. I think capped a little bit by again public sector element. On the private side, I think planners are making it a lot more than that. And on the on the private side, a lot of planners just become developers.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and again, all of these, you know, planner, architect, which is the next one, designer these are just the average salaries. These are, you know, it's, you can't go and find the average salary or net worth of someone that's gone off and started their own architecture firm or their own planning firm or anything like that. And those people are obviously doing much, much better in most cases. Uh, next one on the list here, we're almost done, is architect, which, of course, uh, design and advise clients about building projects. The average salary in um, Canada for an architect is about one hundred twenty-five thousand. Entry-level positions are almost in the six figures, and uh, experienced workers are making about one hundred and fifty to one hundred and sixty thousand dollars. So, again, they write specs, they review on-site construction drawings, provide design solutions to complex problems. Does this help you be a real estate investor? you know, going back to what Dan said, I think, yes, if you can put your investor hat on, I know a lot of architects, some are investors and and really get it. Others have no interest in investing and, and want to focus on just designing beautiful spaces. But I think the
0: skills that it teaches you, if you're an investor, like they can create a lot of competitive advantage. For um, sure. The next one is being an entrepreneur, prop tech, especially startup employee. There's so many options here. Obviously, if you're the founder of a prop tech company, you're likely either killing it or on the verge of shutting down. So it's kind of <laughs> hard to put a number to this. Um, the average startup salary in Canada is 100,000 per year. Entry level positions are 70K and most experience up to 160K. Um, does it help you as a real estate investor? I'm going to say no, it probably distracts you. Um, again, it's an optimization thing, but like, these are very, very management intensive, labor intensive jobs. Um, if you want to be a real estate investor and, and going back to the very start of the episode, if you want to be a real estate investor full time, um, having something that is like another thing that you're creating, um, is going to, is going to be tough. It kind of takes you away from the roadmap a little bit.
1: Yeah. I think I, I'd agree. I think there's a difference between if you're the, entrepreneur that's starting a company or if you're the employee you know if you're the entrepreneur that's starting a company you should be laser focused on growing that prop tech company and and you're likely not involved in more the traditional investing routes that we talk about um a startup employee you know maybe again you're putting yourself in the ecosystem you're you're learning the terms the people the players um but you're right i'd put this one a lot lower on the list of you know, correlation between this and, and being an active real estate investor. I
0: think they can have like a great symbiosis. Like if you're building tech for being a landlord, I think be, being an investor is going to help you in the startup, not necessarily vice versa as much. Like yeah. having, being an investor, if you're building tech for investors is going to give you a real look at the problems that, that you're trying to solve for. Um
1: Next one, I think you got is analyst. Last one here. I have a bonus one actually. So. Ooh, okay. Second last one. Last one on the official list: data analyst. And and this is for you know if you're a data analyst at one of the big firms, um, like a CBRE, a JLL, or a Cushman that are in research or or sorry in uh, in brokerage or like a, a research specific firm like a CoStar, an Altus, or like a Procore or something like that. So real estate data analytics empowers real estate professionals to make data-driven decisions about the sale, purchase, rental, management um, of a physical property. So this process involves gathering relevant information from various sources and analyzing it to yield actionable insights. Dan, we are a little bit of data analysts ourselves when it comes to our own investing and just um, mark, you know, market research in general. So I think every person on this list, if they are a uh, trying to be a real estate investor needs to have a little of that data analyst in them. Uh, the average salary for a data analyst is a uh, hundred twenty-seven thousand. Entry level makes about eighty-five, and more experienced workers make one hundred and thirty thousand dollars plus. That is it for the list. We've got Dan's bonus now. I, well, what I think I'm it? gonna I'm gonna chat a little bit on the analyst side. Like I, I see this a lot
0: with guys in the commercial real estate space. Like a lot of your CRE brokers, guys who are interacting, transacting. Um, million multi-million dollar properties with huge institutions, the likelihood of you beca- of you falling into analysis paralysis as being one of these people <laughs> yeah. is very very high. Like yeah. I know so many people who are making way more money than you and I in commercial real estate, way- touching and feeling and analyzing way bigger and better properties than you and I, and they've never bought a real estate asset in their entire life and they should because they're extremely qualified to do it but they don't do it because they think about it like an institution not like an investor love that good point Um, last one bonus sign guy these guys are making insane (laughs) amounts of money (laughs) insane amounts of money it's so funny because um a friend of mine um stevie susie who who is big on tiktok for real estate she i think her first like viral tiktok was like here's a side hustle you can do at 16 years old to make uh you know a lot of money in the real estate space and it's like you put up a sign and make like i don't even know what i'm paying these guys but like it's just insane and then if you get the commercial sign guys who are assembling these gi- if you're a contractor mm-hmm. and you can assemble like a giant sign like put you know uh auger out some six by six post holes and pour them and put a huge sign up a billboard it. yeah yeah like yeah. Like do it, it, as a side hustle. Like this is an insane amount of money, and you know when properties are coming on the market. And guess what? Barrier to entry. You don't need any education to do this. You literally
1: <laughs> go and put a frames yeah. up on the side of the road. You with got a the hammer open house this way and a car. Yeah, that's it, baby. Um, anyways, everybody, that is it for this episode. Uh, we're gonna do a whole bunch more episodes, kind of based off of this, and and extract some of these professions and do deeper dives. But I hope you got a ton of value out of this, and I hope it cleared up a lot of uh, confusion on how to get into real estate uh, and how to get into real estate adjacent careers. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. The Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast is for entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Nick Hill is a mortgage agent with Premier Mortgage Centre and a partner in the G&H Mortgage Group. License number 10317 Agent License M21004037.
0: Daniel Foch is a real estate broker licensed with Rare Real Estate, a member of the Canadian Real Estate Association, the Toronto Real Estate Board, and the Ontario Real Estate Association.